Great. Thank you very much, Claire, for bringing God's word to us. Our theme for this year as a church is changing times, unchanging God. We've already been thinking about that in the first couple of months of this year. And we're looking now at a a particular series through this month, thinking about the unchanging love element of God. That's what we're thinking about, and particularly today, looking at when we make mistakes. Now, if you're wondering if today is going to be of any relevance to you whatsoever, then that's easy. If you have never made a mistake, if you have never done anything wrong whatsoever, then today will be, I have to say, of no relevance to you whatsoever at all. God's word has got nothing to say to you. If, on the other hand, you're one of those people, you have made a mistake, you have done things wrong, well, obviously in the past, I'm sure, then stay tuned because God's word has something in store for you. Now, many times in the past, I've had to speak on passages where maybe I've known little or maybe nothing about the subject. Or even worse, I've had to speak on subjects where I've known the passage really is speaking a bit too uh, closely into my own life. It's a a tough uh, call to have to speak on something that you know really is maybe a, a finger wagging at yourself. But today, I actually feel quite encouraged. Because as soon as I saw what the title was about when we make mistakes, I thought, yes, I have a plethora of material that I could share because I'm sure, like me, you can uh, realise and remember and recognise all the different mistakes that you've made in the past or maybe even through this week as well. We're now in March, aren't we? Of course, this time last year, we were entering into that first uh, wake-up call of this pandemic. On this actual day last year, there have been just 209 reported or recorded cases of COVID-19 in the UK and just two deaths. There have now been more than 124,000 deaths. It's been nothing but bad news, we felt, wave after wave of bad news for so many individuals and indeed so many families being impacted. Indeed, our own family uh, last month lost a member of our family through uh, covid We've been desperate for good news. Just when we think we're getting there, then there's another wave of bad news. But hopefully there's good news around the corner. We'd like to think that, wouldn't we? The vaccine that's come on board has obviously uh, helped. Having a potential, potential date in sight when we can meet again has, I'm sure, helped. Seeing daffodils spring up that Ali's already alluded to has helped. You may well have been making the most of the recent good weather this week and been out in the garden, but you've then got scratched to pieces through thistles and thorns as you've done all that weeding and stuff. Well, that's the bad news. But there is always good news because there's always Savlon, isn't there? Savlon is always the good news that follows the bad news of stuff like the scratches and things like that that we have going on in our lives. We need good news. We're people that are kind of like wired up to long for and need within us something good, something lasting. That's what today's passage in Isaiah chapter 40 is indeed all about. Bad news, yes, but followed very much by good news. But before we think about the good news, I want to flag up some of the bad news that made Isaiah chapter 40 such good news. In this book called Isaiah, named after uh, the prophet Isaiah, it marks a a bit of a break in chapter 40, 
when you change from up to uh, uh, to chapter 39, then into um, chapter 40 onwards. So different uh, is maybe the, the way that um, passages are then written. Some people have, have wondered whether or not there was then an additional writer that was coming on board around about this time. Chapter 39 has ended with some pretty brutal news that Judah would be carried off into exile, into Babylon. That's bad news for God's people. Isaiah then looked ahead into the future, to the day when Jerusalem would be destroyed. That would happen over a hundred years later in 586 BC, if you want to check out your history books. The Babylonian army was to besiege Jerusalem. It was going to be completely devastating. Another prophet of the time, Jeremiah, tells us that the Babylonians entered Jerusalem and burned down the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house they burned down. Jeremiah chapter 52. That would have been devastating news for God's people who heard Isaiah. They would have felt humiliated. It would have left them bitter and disillusioned and downhearted. A very different kind of pandemic. But some of those emotions we can connect with and identify with, can't we, ourselves in the here and now. You can't really appreciate the good news of Isaiah chapter 40 until you realise just how bad the bad news was. And I guess history will be saying the same when we think back about what this last year has been for us as a nation, indeed, uh, across the globe. Isaiah looks then into the future. He's picturing a day over a hundred years into the future where the exile would have then already happened. Chapter 40 is spoken to those captives specifically who are miles away for their homeland which has been destroyed and he wants to come with very good news after the bad. The chapter begins with his saying, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Israel may well have rejected God, but God has not rejected them. He never rejects his people. That's good news for you and me. Alec Matea, when he was commentating on this chapter, said, like tiny children, they have stumbled in the uncertain paths of the world and will be bruised by their fall. But... They have a God rushing to pick them up in his arms. Their sins, indeed our wrongdoings, are never the final word. And that is good news. So take heart, particularly if this week you feel you've blown it, you've made a mistake, or maybe coming across in a particular way that you've just got so weighed down by the stuff that's going on all around you. Here's a few thoughts initially that that struck me from this chapter. Firstly, the importance for us to seek to hold a balanced perspective. Let's read again verses 6 to 8. We're halfway through verse 6. We read where God says that all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of God stands forever. Here's the problem. People like you and me, we're just unreliable, aren't we? We're here today, gone tomorrow. And Isaiah wants us to realise that temporariness, if you like, of our own mortality. Even if we're good, we're not that good. But even if we were, we're not going to be around forever on this earth. We're going to be here today, gone tomorrow. 
not really able to make such dramatic change that everybody's going to be talking about us in, in years to come. If you want to kind of take a check on that, uh, each year Time magazine uh, highlights the 100 people who have impacted our world the most in any given year. Have a check of Time magazine from 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Probably most of the names you won't even recognise because they are now people of history, people in the past. Maybe think back to a school reunion you may well have gone back to. And I dare say that would have been quite interesting. I went to one, uh, only one school reunion that was held um, about 25 years, I think it was, after I'd left secondary school. Of course, I was going back and from having had a head of hair, I no longer had a head of hair. But the changes in other people, not only could I not recognise people, but even though there was a great big list of all our year uh, in names, I couldn't even recognise half of those names here today and then gone tomorrow or maybe hair today and gone tomorrow as the case is in point for myself maybe even in our own church that can be true significant people of the past who've sowed God's word in served the local community prayed so faithfully giving of their finances and yet if we were to see their names or see pictures of these people in the past Many of us wouldn't even recognise either names or faces. We can't really count on people for all time, but we can count on God and his word. Isaiah makes it clear that God's promise doesn't depend on us at all. That's good news. It depends on God's word. And his word always stands because it's eternal truth. But where is our focus? That's the challenge for you and me. Is it on ourselves and our own being in the here and now and all those stresses and balls that we're we're trying to juggle? Or is it rather that we take a step back and realise it is all about God? And somehow in a way that he sees fit, we fit into the rich tapestry that's a part of his eternal plan. It's not all about the world uh, surrounding ourselves. Let's gain a bit more of a balanced perspective This passage encourages that, but also it encourages us to know that God wants to hold on to you. We see that in verse uh, 9, don't we? Verse 9 and 10. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and his his arm rules for him. His reward is with him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. What a beautiful picture. And we can imagine that uh, at springtime, can't we? With seeing those lambs out in the fields nearby, maybe. And he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those who have young. God could have come as judge, full stop. But instead, the picture here is of God coming as shepherd. He's powerful, yes, but he comes not in power, but in humility and in tenderness. He gently makes provision for the weak. He cares for those who have particular needs. There's bad news all around. We don't have to go looking for it, do we? Just take a look at the daily paper. Click on the 10 o'clock news or 6 o'clock news. You'll see it there. You've probably got your own bad news that you're wrestling with. So here's some good news for you today. God wants to speak to you. Words of comfort. Take a look again at some of those precious verses in Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 11 that we've just read about how God wants to hold you close 
to his own bosom. He came in Jesus to restore and to heal. His promises, he promises, his promise uh, to you are secure. And they're not just promises to the world in general. They're promises to you in particular because he cares for you. He carries you. He cares for your own particular needs. The good news after the bad news is that God promises to be with us. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. I was tempted to sing the rest of it and thought, I realise I can't sing. Let's just read you out that uh, one line from a song called Faithful One. We've already spoken and sung about God's faithfulness, haven't we? Faithful One, so unchanging. This is our God. He is your God, if you'll trust him. And that's the third thing that comes across to me from this chapter. Our trust must be in God alone. Regardless of what's going on in our world, and that can of course be taken two ways in terms of what's going on in our world and what's going on in our world. As God's people, we are nonetheless called to trust him and to rely on his faithfulness to us. Whilst it's great that vaccines are on their way, and you may well have already had yours, some of you may well be awaiting your second one. I, of course, am too young to even have had my first one. I have to say, don't laugh over there. Thank you very much. But whilst it's great that the vaccine's on its way, that's all good. But if we're solely going to place our trust in a vaccine, that's where it's not so good and crosses a line. It's where our trust lies. Then potentially we could be in trouble. It's no less than Judah did way back in Isaiah's day when they turned not to a vaccine but to other gods as their way out from what threatened them. There's a fine line. And incidentally, I'm certainly not saying that the vaccine is not important. It is. And if you've got an opportunity to get yours, get it done. We should all get that done as quickly as possible. What I am saying is that our trust for help, for deliverance, for real change must never be in this or in anything else other than our God. In Christ alone is another of the great songs we sometimes uh, sing here. And that's what it means, isn't it? To be a Christian. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. All our eggs literally are in one basket in terms of our salvation and in terms of living out that Christian life. Our eggs are still in one basket. Let's come back to trusting in God alone. Maybe you have another health issue. Maybe there's a relationship issue. Maybe an addiction you're struggling with. Maybe depression. Maybe you're lonely right now. Extra lonely as a result of this pandemic. Or maybe you're shielding. Maybe you're struggling financially or you're fearful of the future. All those things and other things can weigh us down, can't they? There can be support or positive advice that's out there or medication that may well help. And all of those things are indeed good that are there to help. But... God's word makes it clear that our trust must not be in these or any other idols or things that are there. Neither must we seek to use those other aids as a substitute for throwing ourselves upon our God. And that's what we're going to do now as we pause to respond in worship. Ali and the band are going to come and lead us 
in a song simply entitled The Stand. May we stand on our trusting him alone. Thank you very much, uh, Ali, and thank you, Ian, uh, for sharing that as well. Can I just uh, um, clarify, when Ian said it's been really good to see into members' bedrooms, um, what he actually meant was people that are on Zoom uh, that tend to be in their lounge or in their kitchen and stuff like that. I just want to kind of like uh, nip that one in the bud to save any phone calls or questions about that. But what's been so uh, encouraging, and you've got a little bit of a snapshot and a taster from Ian, from Ali, and thanks Johnny as well for what you shared is that sense of I've felt isolated or I've been discouraged but then there's been an opportunity for this good news as we've shared together why not let's seek to do that all the more and if you're struggling with technology well if I can crack it and Ian can crack it then may well be you can to ask for help if that's something that you would like to be involved with or maybe if that's not for you face to face then maybe to just seek to make a phone call this week to somebody that you could encourage that would be great too we've been thinking about Isaiah chapter 40 and what God's word was meaning for back there and for back then and what we might draw from that for ourselves. Let's just continue as we think about what these words might mean for ourselves. Whatever it is that is unsettling for you, it's good to remember that God has had plenty of experience in dealing with people who are fearful, discouraged or upset. Maybe remember back to Elijah and how depressed and discouraged that he became. And all he wanted to do was to die. Maybe think about the disciples of Jesus out on a lake in a wild storm. Even though Jesus was there in the boat sleeping peacefully, the gospel says that they were were convinced that the wind and the waves would overwhelm them, that they would all drown. They even believed that Jesus didn't care about what happened to them. And sometimes we find ourselves uh, tempted to feel that, don't we? When bad times come, they woke him, saying, Teacher, don't you care that we're dying? Mark chapter 4 tells us. You know, that's the same kind of question that God's people asked way back in the Old Testament. Lord, our enemies are surrounding us. Don't you care that we're about to be crushed by this Babylonian giant? Our Babylonian giant equivalent has been COVID and the effect of that upon each and every one of us. And the answer that the, promise, uh, that the prophet gives is one that's maybe worth reading again and again when it seems that our troubles are more than we can bear. And returning to verse uh, 27 in chapter, first. Uh, in, uh, 28 in chapter 40 just want to preface those verses by saying into the present hey church do you not know have you not heard the lord is the everlasting god the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How about memorizing? 
that one sentence that's our verse for the year. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I've already heard of a number of people who felt so encouraged by that, by God impressing that again upon them. It's a timely verse for the year, isn't it? But don't just leave it as a verse that's in your Bible or a verse even that's stuck on the fridge or on the heading of the letter that you may well receive week by week. I want to ask you, are you hoping in this as your God? Truly, are you? That's the question that we need to face, isn't it? You see, the problem with the people of Judah was that they thought that God had abandoned them. Or he was too weak or too far removed or uh, to be bothered with their problems. Sometimes we can feel that ourselves. So Isaiah is giving them a bit of a reality check. What's wrong with you guys? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Hasn't anyone told you that God could do anything? If he can create the universe, if he's able to not only make the stars, but also put them in place and have a daily uh, checkup on how many there are out there. If he so loves and cares for his creation, then it follows that his love and his concern for you in the middle of all your problems is unquestionable and it's our own step of faith owning that that is going to make the difference for what we face we only need look to the cross and we can see how much God indeed loves us it was there that Jesus his son died for us unworthy though we are and there on that cross that he gave the offer to us of forgiveness for our wrongdoing and of hope for the future if we come to that place of turning to him and placing our trust in him the bible says in romans while we were still sinners christ died so regardless of where you feel you're at right now it's not that you have to become anything before you respond to god it's where you are now come to him as you are and we're going to be singing a song about that shortly that reflects that as well one of the great movies of all time was way back in 1959 the epic ben-hur One of the movie's most riveting scenes is when Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, defeated the arch enemy in an extremely realistic chariot race. That scene required five weeks of filming, 15,000 extras and 18 chariots. To add to the spirit of authenticity, Charles Heston actually insisted that he learned how to drive the chariot that he would be supposedly using in the race. But after weeks on weeks of practice, Heston was worried about the shoot. He confided in the stunt coordinator and he said, look, I've got to a place where I can drive the chariot, but I'm not sure that I can win. The stuntman smiled and replied in these words, Hey, Chuck, you just make sure you drive the the chariot, that you stay in the chariot. I'll make sure that you win the race. You see, Heston had made the mistake of thinking that it was down to him to win the race by his own power and skill and effort. He'd forgotten that the outcome had already been decided. It was in the script. He couldn't lose. And there's a parallel there because that's what God wants us to see from Isaiah chapter 40. With God on our side, we cannot lose. The script has already been written. The cross reminds us that we are God's special and chosen people and that he will never, 
ever give up on us. It is going to be okay. We might be scared out of our wits at times by the events that threaten our safety or our security. We might be disappointed in ourselves or are struggling with the emotions that we feel during this dreadful pandemic and unsure about what's ahead. We might be growing weary, tired, disheartened and exhausted. We might even be tempted to give up completely. But we have a God who is never tired and never stops caring for and loving us, you and me. Even when we think that he isn't close to us or we find it hard to feel that closeness, his promise is as certain as ever. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. The eagle is an interesting bird. Now in the scouts, the uh, patrol that I was in was the eagles. So I can uh, remember back to being the eagles and having a picture of an eagle because that was the group that I was in. But I didn't know this until this week about the bird, the eagle. It makes its nest, you see, from briars and thorns, and then it carpets the nest with animal skin to stop the thorns and the briars hurting the newly hatched baby eagles. There's a quiz question, which are called, they're called eaglets. So the eaglets are nicely then in comfort. This is the life. They're then sitting embedded in comfort while mum then goes out, gets food, brings it back and they just sit there, eat the food, get fat, eat, sleep and then enjoy the comfort of that nest. But it's not the end of the story because the day comes when mum decides it's time for then her young babes to fly. Naturally, the eaglets are not so keen So what does the mother eagle do? What she does is then pulls away and chucks away the animal skins from the nest. So it's too uncomfortable for those eaglets to stay in the nest. And then the eaglet clambers. They clamber one by one on mum's back. One at a time. So the mum then has one of the eaglets on her back. And off she then goes to fly. This is their first time out. Thousand feet. 2,000 feet, 5,000 feet. If those little eaglets are not into heights, this is not going to be an experience that they're going to enjoy. What what does that mum eagle do at 5,000 feet? She then tips that eaglet off of her back. So much for a mother's love. And then she just kind of watches this eaglet just descend. As that little eaglet flapping all the way down desperately trying to fly now you're waiting for me to say of course eventually that eaglet then is able to fly but no it drops and drops and drops until nearly at the point that that eaglet is going to go splat against that hard ground and at that point the mother eagle swoops down and just catches her little baby eaglet she doesn't then say call yourself an eagle no with the eaglet again on her back She then swoops back up to 5,000 feet and then starts that process all over again. Tips the eaglet off her back and then again the eaglet tries to fly. And that process is repeated and repeated until, sure enough, that eaglet is able to take to the sky. This life can be hard and seem confusing and sometimes we do fall. Sometimes we feel we're going to be heading for a crash, don't we? That there's nothing to stop us. Maybe for even a few, there's that sense of our desiring that we would indeed crash. 
We've had enough. God is always there to catch us. Maybe that's a word that you need to hear this morning. If you're a believer, I want to encourage you with that today. To keep trusting and keep hoping in the Lord. Because if you do, you can be sure assured of the fact that you ain't going to fall. Because our God is not going to let you. And at that moment, when you feel it may well be 11th hour, he'll be there to catch us, to prevent us from that sense of the pain of the fall. And will each of us discover that we're truly being carried and have been all the way along. Off the back of that, we're going to come as we are to this God who wants and longs to carry each and every one of us. Don't nip off to the loo. Don't grab a biscuit. Don't check a text on your phone. Think of what God's word has been to you. And regardless of who may or may not be around you, grab hold of the words of this song and come as you are to this amazing God who wants to be there for you.